Welcome back, everyone. We are Little Brown Women, and this is our podcast, Unplugged. Every fortnight, we talk candidly with our wondrous guests and with each other about a range of important and topical issues, often from the lens of identity, culture, and empowerment. Today, we are thrilled to welcome our final guest in the Women in Business Series 2021, the inspirational Grace Regan. Grace is an entrepreneur, chef, restaurateur, and founder of vegan Indian restaurant Spicebox in London. In today's episode, we explore Grace's childhood and life journey, the inspiration behind Spicebox and becoming a restaurateur and the realities of being an entrepreneur. So without further ado, let's get talking. Hi, Grace. How are Hello. you doing on this Sunday? I'm good. Needed my coffee this morning, but beginning to perk up. <laughs> it's always quite strange hearing um, people talk about you in that format. But yeah, it was lovely. Thank you for your kind words. You are such an inspiration, Grace. We we are such fans. We are so grateful that you've brought such an amazing brand, restaurant to the market. It's a gap that needed to be filled and you've done it so, so, so beautifully. And we are going to speak more and delve into that. But to start off with, I wanted to touch on your childhood, touch on your journey to where you are now. We would love to get to know who Grace is. Who is Grace before Spicebox? So I grew up in a place near Stroud, which is like a town in a county called Gloucestershire. I'm not sure if anyone like knows it, but um, it's quite a kind of, it's an interesting place to, to grow up because it's, you know, it's proper English Cotswold countryside, very beautiful. Um, and with that comes a lot of like quite moneyed and typically kind of English and yeah. posh. And then alongside that, Stroud is like this honeypot of, like alternative, super interesting people. I'm told like all the ley lines in the UK cross over in Stroud. Um, oh, that's so interesting. It's, just, like, it's like this little kind of spot of alternative, interesting culture, like in kind of very classic Cotswold countryside um, and everything that that comes with that. So yeah, I, I loved it. It's a really beautiful part of the world. Um, I loved growing up in the countryside. I still love nature. I loved it as a kid. I went to a very like idyllic school um, on a common um, there, and yeah, I had I had a pretty you know pretty standard uh, nice upbringing. I'm very lucky and fortunate. I'm very jealous because I I, <laughs> I grew up in the city, Grace, but the Cotswolds is beautiful. My parents just moved out to Essex and I just, I would much rather live in such an, it's so pleasant on your mood. It, uh, it just, it's a whole different vibe, you know? I feel like the city is just, you have to be a very particular person to enjoy that, that fast pace no green foxes constantly screaming at nighttime life <laughs> which is, yeah, is, is not <laughs> it's not pleasant you have a true entrepreneurial spirit has this always been the case or were there certain experiences that heightened your creativity yeah it's interesting it's so hard isn't it to kind of map back to early childhood and think when it all started but I definitely remember from you know, at least the age of 10, probably, I kind of had a, a knowing like within myself that I 
kind of make my own path and, and do what I wanted to do. I think I kind of always had a bit of a like an attitude where like, well, if you want to do it, why can't you do it? And that like, you know, that kind of came through in school. And, um, you know, I've always had quite kind of an independent, quite determined spirit. Um, and I would often kind of daydream. I, I would often daydream when I was younger about like being like, you know, an older woman who's really successful and doing her own thing. Um, and then along alongside that, I always had quite a kind of strong creative energy. And by that, I don't mean that I was like particularly amazing at art or like um, classic creative endeavors. Um, but I would love to like, make things happen and like put things together so as I got a bit older like I'd always be you know I'd have like a shitty video camera and I'd be you know I'd make videos at school of my friends and I edit them together or I'd like get my friends together to do like this a stupid thing together um or like you know I'd put on like a piece of drama or I'd be making music so and I think like when you're kind of a teenager you have a lot of that energy that creative energy I, I kind of really harnessed it and I really enjoyed that process of like yes it was a bit of a struggle getting everything organized but then like the reward of having like a finished thing at the end of it I found immensely satisfying so I think that kind of was the I very much compare that kind of process to the process of like starting a business um and then, you know, I'd always have ideas for businesses, like, constantly and be talking about them and, like, why is no one doing this? I want to do this. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I'd always, it was always pretty inevitable that I was going to go down through. Also, you know, we've talked about earlier, like, a lot of, I think, two out of three of us went to UCL, um, or all three, I'm not sure. Um, and, yeah, like, um, most of my peers at uni, like, they were so clear about, like, what career they wanted to go in. Most of them were doing, like, work experience during the summer holidays um and like had jobs lined up and I remember just going to graduation and everyone was talking about what they were doing like what job they were starting and I was like shit I haven't done I haven't organized anything I've just been drifting around like thinking that everything's going to fall into place and I'll just find what I want to do um and then actually everything did kind of fall into place a bit but um yeah so a long-winded way to say I think I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit you definitely have you definitely have it sounds like you've always been a go-getter it's always been you want to do something outside of the box you have that creativity that ability you've that curiosity you know that wanting to know what else is out there that you're able to do what else aside from the norm is out there that you're able to then put yourself on a completely different pedestal and I think from a young age is such a it's such a key attribute to have because most people don't don't understand that till like like yourself and like myself and some of the you know Roxy and Dami will probably agree with me is when we're older we look back and we go oh we have that entrepreneurial spirit but we there's no there's no line in a book that says this is what it should be and this is this is the path that you should maybe consider or open your mind out to. And I hope the kids and the adults that are listening to this really do tap into that. And if you feel that you are, as Grace said, have that creative ability, Grace is absolutely right. I was in the same position. At graduation, I was just a bit like, oh, well, I know I've got to do this with my degree, but do I really want to do that? Is it is is 
is that really where I want to go? Do I want to sit behind a desk and be bored for the rest of my life? No. So you go out and you try what else is out there, but it's that fear of failure that you have already, you've already mastered that. And so many entrepreneurs we've spoken to have, have mastered that from such a young age is the fear of failure. You've, you've overcome that subconsciously and that limitation is completely taken away from you. And having taken away that limitation, you've, look what you have achieved out of the box ideas, completely out of the box ideas. You know, you went from a girl living in the Cotswolds, a beautiful Cotswolds area to launching a business that brings authenticity and diversity and culture, you know? And I love that. I think that is absolutely fantastic. I just quickly to come back on that. Yeah, the fear yeah. of failure, I think quite an interesting point because I actually do think that's so key. And so many people that I hear who have ideas and want to start something, they are, they're scared, they're, they're, they're terrified of um, what happens if it doesn't work out. And mm. like, you're right, like it is, I'm just quite lucky. I think I've never, ever had that. I'll, you know, I'll look around people that are close to me and I'll be like, why do we do this or this? Or that? And mm. everyone's just like, oh yeah, cool, but what if? And I've just never had that. And I think a lot of that also comes down to, I think I do have a fear of failure, but my fear of failure is around like the failure to have not led like a really fulfilled interesting life for me I've always been obsessed with like how will I look back on my life when I'm older do I feel like I've squeezed every single like morsel out of it and you know building a business definitely comes into that but I think and like obviously there's there are all the financial pressures and like the structures of society that you have to fit into in order to like exist within our society but for, for some reason and I, I do appreciate this does come out of a place of privilege as well massively but like I've never really had that that sense of like well if what happens if just everything falls apart I'm kind of like well if I end up you know like really kind of falling flat on my face isn't that interesting won't I learn from that I'm sure I can build myself back up from that that's kind of my my view on things and like I know yeah like I said I do think a part of that comes from place of privilege but it also comes out of this like weird naive optimism that I have always had and you know what and that's you're absolutely right and I do absolutely appreciate you saying it comes from a place of privilege because one thing the conversations that we often have is I'm I come from an, an immigrant family and they have set a foundation for me and I consider that a place of privilege as well and if I don't and I'm of that same mentality as you Grace where if I feel like I haven't achieved above and beyond their what they have already set out for us then what are we doing you know and it is yes we all have our own certain levels of privilege you know and I think it's really important more than that it's the mindset that you have as to what you want to do with that and that mindset that you have is not okay well I have this and I'm going to be comfortable with this and then make myself comfortable it's how do I use what I have to bring better awareness and create something that is going to quite literally go above and beyond and you have to really commend yourself for that because that's an incredible achievement like you said the financial struggles the the society's expectations of paying bills and living and having to have achieved 
societal expectations I think overcoming each of those segments to to be where you are today you have I if I could clap without having to affect this recording I would <laughs> I would give you a massive round of applause because you've done tremendously in in really really pushing your limits and achieving what what I think is a, a really incredible brand a really really incredible brand looking back from where you are now what advice would you give to your younger self this is always such a hard one I I again I kind of live with like no regrets and I think everything happens for a reason. I'm a massive believer in that. But I would say when I, a big theme of like my childhood, and again, this, I think this looks into like what I do now is I really push myself um, mainly around like exams and academically. Like I wasn't that well behaved. Like I messed around, teachers didn't love me. But I, when it came to exams from probably like GCSEs onwards, I'd just be like crazy obsessed with like doing the best I could and like you know it wasn't healthy like I pushed myself to the breaking point like every time these exams came around hmm. and I remember having like it's crazy to think like you know it's still quite young like just breakdowns about like oh I haven't like revised enough everyone else is cleverer than me blah, blah, blah. and I would say actually like it was such a bad very success to go through and the fact that it was so self-inflicted like I'm sure a psychologist uh, psychologist pulled that all apart for me but like you know my parents like couldn't give a shit like how I did an exam like but I just really cared and so I but I think like I would say like it will be worth it I think that kind of you know I was really testing how far I could push myself like how how hard I could work like could I even if I wasn't naturally as academic as like some of the people around me, could I push myself to like bring myself up to that level through like working hard myself and like applying myself. And, you know, some people might think that it's like super unhealthy to have that attitude. And I'm, I'm sure it is. And, and I'll like pay the repercussions later in life, but it has been quite useful because I, no matter like what kind of challenge comes my way work-wise now, I know like that if I, really focus on it and work really hard and apply myself like I can kind of get through almost anything that is incredible Grace honestly <laughs> you're no I, I I'm, I'm a little bit in awe just listening to you because where you see it as a negative I don't see it as a negative at all you're you're talking about a girl who has from a young age always wanted to push herself and be the best and I don't see that as a negative at all I think you've attached it to exams and academics because a lot of our younger life is exams and academics I mean yeah. if I'm honest with you we wouldn't I, I don't think I pushed myself to cook or bake at all so <laughs> there's not much else I could have pushed myself on you know what I mean like it is only academics that you're that you can really test your abilities you're really getting to know yourself Academics has a huge part to play in, in children's younger life, what we're taught. And I think it's a huge, I honestly think it's a huge thing that we're not taught finances and business. Oh, and man. Like, it blows my mind crazy. that that's not, in a country that is really pushing self-employment and entre entrepreneurship, we're in a country that really, really pushes for that. We're not yeah. taught anything about it. Um, and no, I think mental. if you're if you have some exposure to that, you would have been in a different mindset as to, oh, that's why I'm I'm such a go-getter, such a pusher, because business is my thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, we could do a whole separate podcast on, like, <laughs> with the education system oh, in this country. Me. 
yeah um my boyfriend is a teacher so we have this conversation a lot oh my god I'd be I'd actually love to sit you both down and have like a debate <laughs> on on this country's um education system I think it'd be very biased though a very very biased podcast but yeah I, yeah. I definitely think that's something that the listeners to listen to <laughs> Grace, we were already in awe of you and now I'm just sort of mind blown. Um, and also following on from what you said, I think we definitely need to explore doing another podcast on the education system because I have a lot to say in that in that arena and I feel like you do too. Following on from what you said, I, I love your philosophy on life and business. I know that you said it's your naive optimism. I don't think it's that at all, actually. I think it's just kind of all down to your mindset and it's a choice as to whether you focus on the goal and the journey you know and the enjoyment of the journey as opposed to the probability of it not working out and I think you completely embody that and I think that's what's very inspirational about so it's not just the fact that you're this amazing entrepreneur and you know you own a restaurant and a business but it's actually the mindset that you're spreading and teaching to younger people older people people of the same age I think that's that's what drew us to you, obviously, as well, all the, all the other great achievements, but it's the mindset and it's you being able to speak very openly about that. I think that's really brave. It encourages people. And I mean, that's why we started LBW. You know, we wanted to have guests who were inspirational in that way, too, that felt that they could openly talk about their journeys, what they've learned. And that's exactly what you've done. So thank you so much. And I know that you mentioned the question of privilege. You know, yeah, I agree. There's a degree of safety when you start something new from that place. And as Kay, I felt that, you know, my parents have made this foundation for me. So yeah, I, I don't think privilege is just in regards to race. I think it's in regards to your social standing, where you come from, you know, the opportunities that you've had. But I think the secret to, to achieving success is exactly what you said. It's, it's about mindset you were previously in tech and you worked abroad and then you decided to sort of pack that all in and come back and I guess you know from my perspective just pursue your your dream and your true passion to start Spicebox. so I just wanted to know was there a part of you that secretly knew that you wanted to be a restaurateur or be in the food industry so interesting like it's again it's really hard to like pin it down I think because there's kind of there's two element to to what I do currently and why I enjoy it so much and it feels so right to me and it's like the one element is like the kind of creative food side of things where you know I've just released this this recipe book and you know I feel like looking back it was kind of always a bit inevitable that I would write a recipe book just because Mm. I was so obsessed with food and cooking and you know watching tv cookery programs reading recipe books when I was young and I always kind of used to fantasize about, you know, like having a TV cookery show and like, <laughs> and like, you know, I'd be in the kitchen quite young, like cooking, like imagining that I was like doing it on camera. So like, that's one side of it. And then the other side to what I do is like pure, like, you know, I'm building a business. It's a startup and like, every, and everything that comes with that. And, I, and again, like, that was always something that I knew I really wanted to do. I was interested by, always been really interested by business. Um, and so when I was kind of thinking about the idea for Spice Box, when it's in my head, I think I did clock on to like, oh, wow, like this brings two of those things together, along with like loads of other of my passions. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like the restaurant side of things, like in all honesty, no, I didn't ever think that I don't actually call myself a restaurant. I think 
it's really important for me to say that like if I was doing if I was running Spice Box, you know, on the ground as a restaurant, mm-hmm. it would be absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got an amazing um business partner that I work with called Alpesh. And he's got a load of hospitality experience. And like, you know, he's a restaurateur. Like he's, you know, he's a mission trained chef. He loves hospitality. He's wow. so operational minded. I am so bad at operations. And like that's basically <laughs> running a restaurant is. The creative high level stuff, definitely that's like what I love. And I think like, no, I didn't know I wanted to be a restaurateur, but I always knew that I'd be so excited about the thought of like creating physical spaces and like again like kind of ideas I'd always think wouldn't it be cool to like have this kind of restaurant here or a cafe here or like this needs this Mm. um and you know before that I had loads of ideas for like fashion brands and stuff and I think again it's that kind of that creative element kind of reading like culture and society and what kind of people get drawn to I've been always really interested in that and like how can you bring all these different elements of like the zeitgeist together to create like a business opportunity? So there's so many different strands. Um, and yes, yeah, Spicebox, the reason why I felt so kind of driven to do Spicebox and getting it off the ground, I think, is because it, it's always brought so many of my different interests like together. Mm. Grace, I love you found the gap in the market. And like you said, you know, you've you've managed to create a spice box. It's bringing all of these different elements that you love together. For me, it seems like probably one of the most diverse and intersectional businesses way to sort of enter the food world through you because you've created this amazing thing, which is so different to perhaps what a normal London high street could offer in the way of Indian food. I like the fact that you've spoken very openly about tapping into your strengths you know you're the creative driver behind spice box but you know that your strengths might not lie in the operational side of things and you know that's that's I mean that's true advice from from a business owner and I think that honesty and accountability has to be shared with people who hope or want to do something similar to you in in terms of going out on their own and I think when I think back to sort of like how we started Little Brown Women you know we kind of just sat there and said well we're not all great at everything, but we are good at something. So let's bring all those strengths and build this thing together. And I think that's, it's super empowering because you don't sort of go around being upset because you can't do everything, but you think, well, what can I do and how can I do that really well? And I mean, it's just translated so much into Spicebox. You know, we can't wait to actually get down to Spicebox. You've obviously given us inspiration about sort of what led you to set up Spicebox. But I wanted to sort of touch on the vegan element because I know obviously being Indian, I know that a lot of traditional food is pure vegetarian. It's, you know, it doesn't include meat. But when you look at the sort of food scene in the UK and look at what Indian food and Indian takeaways traditionally based on here, you don't always get that very traditional, pure vegetarian side of it. And that's what I love about Spicebox, because you're getting much more back to the root of what traditional Indian food is. Is that is that what inspired you? What was the inspiration behind doing Pure Vegan? So, so there's kind of, yeah, again, there's like two elements to this. I think the first thing I'll focus on is, so first of all, I don't actually ever like to call what we do, like, anything near authentic Mm. traditional Indian food because I think you know as a white woman I can never claim that and Mm. like you said like 
Spicebox is all about kind of the interaction of like different cultures, different parts of culture and food. And I, what the idea for Spicebox has always been birthed out of like the curry house, what I mm. call like British Indian restaurant food, which is essentially like, first of all, it's, you know, it's roots are within the Bangladeshi community in the UK. Mm. And I know like a lot of like, um Indian people get annoyed when like curry house is called Indian food and that's a whole nother um and like they've had to you know curry houses have had to evolve in order to like suit the kind of you know white western palette um Mm. and you know again that's a whole nother conversation isn't it so and I've always you know growing up in the UK growing up in the English countryside like you know my highlight of the week would be the weekend like getting an Indian takeaway from our local curry house and it would very much be like chicken tikka, chicken tikka masala, like all the classic kind of curry house food. And I loved it. And then at the same time, like in parallel to that, my great aunt is South Indian by marriage. Great. Um, and so I, I grew up going to her house and her cooking the most incredible home cooked um, food that, you know, she learned through her family, etc. And as a result of her being South Indian, like my grandmother's buried in India, like I've been to India a lot and I like absolutely love it. It's like, you know, <laughs> I said Spicebox brings all my passions together. Like mm-hmm. going to India every year is like, that is like, I, I just love India. And I know it's so, it's broad and sprawling and I've got so much more to explore. But um, this is what's so kind of, magical about twice box is like that's another element but yeah I think to be really clear like what spice box does is it takes that concept of the high street curry house and then you know I'm feeding in my own personal food influences a lot of which stem from mm. my great aunt Dolly and like my experience of eating food in India across the different regions obviously as you mentioned before Dami like South Indian food I find like is unbelievably delicious so that's inevitably going to influence like our food and menu so that's you know I'm pulling from like the curry house um you know we have like a curry house type menu but then the flavors are influenced by other things um and also the vegan element um another passion of mine is I became vegan shortly before I started spice box and for me it was like a no-brainer that you know, the way to en- encourage people to eat more vegan food, I definitely don't think, like, it's realistic that the world's going to go vegan, nor do I think, like, the world needs to go vegan necessarily. But I do think, like, we've all got to eat a lot more plant-based food. And, like, you know, spices, Indian cuisine, curry house cuisine, they are the most incredible way to highlight that, like, you can build, like, complexity of flavour um, and the most incredible food with like really quite simple ingredients and definitely you don't need meat, eggs or dairy. And, you know, the time that I spent in India eating, as you said, like pure vegetarian food is obviously pays massive testament to that because it's absolutely delicious and you never, ever miss the kind of the meat element of it. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering that question so openly and honestly, because one, it's really lovely to hear all the inspiration behind Spicebox through your personal experiences, through your family links, through your love for India. It's it's lovely. And I know you say as a white woman, but as a half Bengali, half Indian woman, 
what you're what you're doing it's amazing for me I said to Dami when Dami told us all about you I kind of just sat back and thought this is so amazing because what she's doing is she's bringing people together and she's bringing people together through food and culture two of the most important things in this world I mean those are the things that people bond over people connect over so for me I don't care where you come from or what you are it's your passion and love that that shines through spice box and that's that's true i mean i can't i can't be more genuine than that and and i completely understand that spice box isn't strictly traditional and actually that's what's so great about it. it has the modern traditional your personality your interests all rolled in one and what you just said you know you're changing the way that people look at indian food and in doing that you're actually educating people through your business and food which is just I mean, that's magical. It really is. And I think food is so much more than just eating. There is so much tied up in it. And I think that's what you're bringing. You're bringing through by just basically creating something amazing like Spicebox. And you are very innovative. And I have just loved hearing about everything that led you towards this. And I know you mentioned at the beginning writing recipes. Massive congratulations. I just wanted to maybe focus on that. How was, how was the book, like, book writing experience for you? What do you think is next for Spicebox? Because I'm sure you are a true innovator. I'm sure this is just step one of a grand plan. <laughs> It'd be great to hear from you about that. Well, firstly, thank you so much for those kind words. That, that means a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting area. And yeah, what you just said is, is definitely where I come from. And it, it means mm. a lot. Um, the, the, book, so the book is actually out. It came out last week, I think. Uh, it's all a bit of a blur. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it you know it's it's quite strange releasing a, a recipe book because the process is so long. Like yeah. I finished, I submitted everything, and just before the pandemic started, um, and you know it's been a constant evolving process since then. But then it was kind of all finished, and then you have to wait like eight months for it to come out. So I already felt like I kind of had you know three releases. Um, but the process of writing the book was I absolutely loved it. Like. Like I said, I, you and I, it's something I've always really dreamed of. And a lot of people kind of said that it would be incredibly hard, especially doing it alongside running business. Again, I've paid attention to the fact that Alpesh really helped me like run the business while I was doing the book and also helped me test the recipes and was a great help with all that as well. So, you know, shout out to him. I, I'm a massive like introvert and I need to spend time alone. And I find like that my best output is always when I'm like really in the zone like locked mm-hmm. in doing something by myself and like writing a book was just it just spoke to me on all levels like that because I could just really kind of like lock in you know do the writing side of it and then I'd be in my kitchen like cooking all the recipes writing the recipes I just found it like a reasonably effortless um process and I think also you know, it's physically, it's very hard um, just because you're just the sheer amount of cooking you have to do in a very short space of time. You know, I was doing it in my tiny kitchen in London and like the washing up and all of that. And you get so tired and like, oh, I can't bear to cook another recipe, but I have but everything else around that. And like the photo shoot and the creativity around the design and stuff. I just really, really enjoyed it. And I feel so fortunate to have been able to, to do it. Mm. Um, and yeah, hopefully I... Hopefully I'll write another one. It all depends on like sales. It's all kind of out of my hands now, but I'd love to do another one. Um, and, you know, I think also I talked about my great aunt. She's really old now and 
you know, I go and visit her. Obviously, this year has been incredibly tough and she's had to be in isolation a lot of the time. Yeah. But I try and visit her as frequently as possible. And I don't think she's ever really realised like how much of a source of inspiration she is to me and like what I do. And I don't think she's truly really grasped like, you know, what <laughs> Spice Box is. And like, yeah. you know, she came, she came to the curry house when it first opened and stuff. And that was great. But I think just seeing her like, you know, being able to dedicate the book to her, giving her a copy, and then her like seeing it in like the times and stuff was was such an incredible like thing. And she was obviously so kind of proud and happy. And I think then she actually clocked like that she she really was like such a massive, you know, source of, of everything that I do. So that was great. Um and then in terms of what's next for Spicebox, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a continuation of, of what we're doing now. Like the curry houses, I mean, I've been wanging on about opening another curry house so long. <laughs> and it has taken, <laughs> I mean, literally from like six months after we opened the one in Waterstow. And it's just taken so long, like trying to find the right site. Yeah. You know, raising the money, getting the legals done. Like I really hope, touch words, that I will be able to kind of talk in more detail about new curry houses um, quite soon. But I just can't right now because it's all just still pretty unconfirmed um and then we launched we launched some retail products during um the pandemic that was always actually the plan it wasn't a result of covid um and i've always envisaged having this kind of retail angle alongside the curry house the curry house is very much being like the kind of key driver of growth for the brand but then bringing in retail off the back of that and um again always kind of planned to have a like a kind of media angle to it which was like the recipe books you know, videos, content around cooking, you know, plant-based foods with spices and vegetables. So um, those, those are kind of the three strands of the business and I really see those kind of growing. Um, but for me, like what really I've, I want to do in the short term, I find super exciting is yeah, opening a few more curry houses so that, you know, more people, we can be more people's local takeaway. Well, we would love that, Grace. And you know what? We can <laughs> wait to talk to you about more curry houses. We will be waiting eagerly because that's such exciting news and we couldn't be happier for you and your team in the fact that you are exploring that. And yeah, your cookbook is out. Thank you so much. Everything that you've just said is just so reflective of how great you are as a person, but how much heart your company and your brand has. And I think that's what's so unique about what you do anyone can start a business anyone can start a brand but if it's devoid of heart emotion and it just doesn't come across like Spicebox does so just really like a massive congratulations to you and you are a really big inspiration for us so for us to have you on the podcast thank you it's it's such an honor you mentioned the retail products I had a look at that over the pandemic and they are amazing and again you know you're you're able to through that share the magic of the food that you create with more people which is great and when your business is driven by such a personal relationship and inspiration like that it's just even more meaningful so if I can feel the meaning and emotion from here I can't imagine what it felt like for you. Huge congratulations on your launch of your new cookbook. And I really need to get in my order ASAP. <laughs> and can I just say, even through this remote recording experience, I can actually feel your energy and your true authentic self. You're just bouncing. I love it. And I can actually tell you're just 
you're just actually just following your heart. It's been awesome getting to know you. And, you know, like I've mentioned to you before, I'm such a huge fan of Spicebox and you're truly innovative with what you're doing with your business. Like I've been to Spicebox many times with my parents too and oh. hats off hats off huge hats off to the spice box team and to your partner Alpesh I think I've actually met him in the restaurant huge hats off to him too and I've always felt very welcome every time I dine in there because you know every single one of your team members like they truly believe in your business and that's that's huge and you've taken the Indian cuisine to a new level and to me you've come across as a person He's just, he's confident with taking on fear because you actually have just such a creative heart and you have genuine passion. And to me, to me, that actually makes you unstoppable. So <laughs> thank you so much for Spicebox. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. And Thanks for your custom over the years. Very much appreciated. 100% number one fan. You can count on me. <laughs> <laughs> but being you know being an entrepreneur always holds that risk and so my first question to you right is what are some of the operational challenges you faced over the lifetime and growth of Spicebox and especially during the coronavirus pandemic you know what have those challenges yeah. been and how have you overcome those? So when I first started Spicebox I really I just threw myself in like I said I was pretty kind of naively optimistic and then quickly learn like what actually running a food business entails, which is a lot of operational stuff. And like, you've got to be really organized. There's a lot of like, you know, it's all just on your feet, you know, cooking food, getting the food to people. I started in street food. So setting up gazebos, like doing festivals. Um, And, you know, for the first kind of two and a half years, you know, the business, it was all a bit of a shit show, to be frank. Like, I got by, <laughs> yeah. again, like, I got by because I, w- I had this just, like, relentless drive. I had a really clear vision of what I wanted to get to. Yeah. You yeah. know, people loved the food, which was always provided that feel to keep going. And, you know, I enjoyed the cooking side of it. I was doing all the cooking at the start. And that really kept it going. But Whoa. around that, yeah, like, it was absolute hell. Like, I was working, like seven days a week you know outside like really physical labor like you know having to employ like a team having to manage the team again I'm pretty shit at like managing teams um and you know that really I had my ups and downs during that phase for sure and it was a steep learning curve and sometimes things went really wrong sometimes it was great but it was like just the highs and lows um and then I you know I met Alpesh and luckily he's you know he's very good at operations and that really helps but it doesn't just because now I'm able to focus on what my strengths are like it doesn't remove like there's there's so many challenges around like running a business and I think you know removing the kind of fear of failure helps on one element but you know you're still really you're responsible for a lot of people especially the people that like work for your business um I always think that not enough talks about, especially in like my line of work, like all everything really comes down to businesses like human relationships and human relationships are really complicated and complex. And if you don't appreciate that and like really work on your interpersonal skills, like um, 
and appreciate like how complex people can be and learn not to like internalize a lot of that like you're kind of screwed because you know at the beginning I like it's like a team member left or yeah you know they were like they said something like you know shit working for this business whatever which is always going to happen in any business especially startup being run by me trying to do operations (laughs) like at the beginning I took it like so personally and like it would just and it still does but like it would just hit me like you know dagger to my heart and like every time someone was like I need to leave even if it was like because I'm starting university I'd just be like I take it so personally and like you know that evolves obviously that the as the more kind of serious and established the business becomes but I think like learning that learning you know and appreciating and acknowledging that you know you've got to treat a lot of business like you know and put as much effort into all your business relationships as you would like you know a marriage or any sort of like romantic relationship or family relationship that really helps um and especially for someone like me who's like you know I'm very quick to internalize things and turn them back on myself and like blame myself for everything um so yeah I just yeah a very long-winded way to say I think one of the toughest things about being an entrepreneur, especially in my field of work, is like learning how to manage relationships. And so that's why, right, I actually started off this conversation by saying that your team really believe in you, because I think that's that's the hard bit, because you have your dream and your passion in your head and it's in your heart and you're obviously going to put 110% behind it because that's your love and your passion. But you have understood the complexity of human relationships and you have transferred that energy and that dream onto your team members. You've brought in Alpesh and Alpesh believes in you. And this, and this, is, why, this is one of the reasons why you're doing so well, Grace. And I know it's, it's hard, right? It's hard. Like you're, you, you mentioned to me earlier that you're an introvert and you like being locked in in the zone and working on it but you've you figured it out you know hats <laughs> off to you man <laughs> so yeah I mean firstly that's really kind thanks and the, our team are amazing definitely want to say for anyone who like works in hospitality or has to manage a team it took a shitload of trial and error to get to that point yeah and, like there will be people that would have worked with Spicebox that will be like like no thanks not interested don't believe in grace like duh. And that's fine. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. I've made loads of mistakes along the way. Um, and I do think that's an inevitable part of like hiring people and learning and like having to learn as you go. Um, mm. The team we've had now have been with us like a pretty long time and they're amazing and we're so lucky to have them. Again, I would say that, you know, yes, it's important that they believe in like me and my vision, but actually that actioning that and like making them engaged on a day-to-day basis again comes down to like having someone like Alpesh who's genuinely good at managing people like I'm good at like you know they'll start and I'll like pile all of like the vision for Spicebox and the ideas for Spicebox into them but you know when it comes to the day-to-day management like it's really easy for me to just get lost in my own world and be like a really shit communicator and a manager and like Yeah. yeah obviously like I have four principles that I want my business to be run by which is like you know treating people with kindly with fairness like realizing we're all humans and like trying to make work a really like pleasant environment to work in but like none of that means anything if you can't actually manage people 
and yeah. like they don't feel like they know what kind of structure they're existing in or like without like an element of discipline or like you know routines or expectations and that's something that I've had to learn really quickly so you can't just be like I just want to create like a company where everyone feels welcome <laughs> to work come to work and like everyone's really happy and like yeah. I'm going to be everyone's friends because I tried that at the beginning and people were just like I don't know where I stand like are you my yeah. friend are you my boss like what are the rules why are you angry one day and really happy the next day like that doesn't work so yeah, God, it's been a, yeah. that's been a really interesting journey and like I've definitely still got loads of work to do on, on that side of things. But do you know what? I actually really love how you're so open about it, though. Like, you're just like, look, it was hard. I went through hell and I've learned so much. It wasn't just like daisies and flowers and unicorns and rainbows. And definitely not. Do you know? And, you know, you've. Yeah, I could, do you know what? I can imagine you setting up those gazebos and going to festivals, I, especially in the UK. It's not always sunny, guys. It's always rainy and mucky and you've got to get your hands dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I'd say yeah. you'd be waking up three, four in the morning to get ready. But, you know, you've you've learned through your your actually understood your weaknesses and you understood very early on. Right. Operations. Not really great for me. So, yeah. you know, you were able to understand that and you're very open and you've let yourself feel vulnerable and you know what surrender to it because you're like right I I think I need a bit of help here and Mm -hmm. you know that's where you met Alpesh I'd say and so you're willing to push yourself to your boundaries and that's where you've seen your inner growth and I think genuinely it's because of your earlier experiences is what has set you up for success. I bet that's kind of taught you how to think outside the box all the time, right? And so my next question is, how do you diversify yourself, your business and your food? Well, yeah, I think like on the food side of things, you know, it really, all our food and our recipes and ideas and stuff, they just really come from like, you know, how I like to eat and how I like to cook. And again, like pulling inspiration from different places and also understanding like what our customer wants because you know at the end of the day they're the most important person so when I first started Spicebox I'd you know the menu was very much like what I'd want to see on a menu and what I'd want to eat and actually I realized quite early on that a lot of people didn't really get it or understand who we were um, and what we were trying to do and what like our angle was and so that that's when I knew that like okay I need to like contain all of the stuff that I find really interesting and the food that I like to eat like within a framework that like most people understand and in the UK most people understand the framework of like the curry house um and so that was quite an important like you know turning point for spice books because I knew that like okay our menu needs to read like a curry house menu and then I need to feed in these other like sources of inspiration into the way that I build the recipes and like you know some of the side dishes and stuff or like the street snack section um so that's that was one element and then at the brunch like that you mentioned like we have it's so funny the brunch we have like we have a small group of like insanely hardcore cross by cross brunch fans and that's amazing it's so so sad that we've had to stop it due to the pandemic and stuff and really do hope to bring it back um but yeah the brunch brunch we had more space to be creative because obviously not the curry houses and brunch aren't something that go together and to be frank like that's an issue because our brunch sales it took us 
ages to build those up and like because people didn't understand like why is my local curry house doing brunch would it be any good like what are they going to serve so that took ages to build up but we did have more creative freedom around that because um because it's basically a blank slate like what's a curry house put on their brunch menu and again that's really where I've pulled in inspiration from like you know my travels and um we do like dosa waffles which were just this stupid idea I had one day I was like what if you put dosa batter in a waffle machine because those are like I think my number one favorite yeah oh god <laughs> um they're so good but I knew that we just couldn't first of all you know I'm not an expert enough to be churning out incredible thin crispy massive doses during service every brunch and I just knew that it wasn't going to be that scalable waffle machine slightly easier with faster and handling it um and then all the dishes around that on the brunch menu again they're just such a mismatch of like you know there's baked there's like spiced jackfruit baked beans on that menu but you that's know a what coconut I love. chutney I love um, that. and like crispy bombay potatoes like yeah, yeah. it just brings everything together um, so yeah, that's kind of the food side of things. Business, the business side, like, again, I just want to, you know, I'm hungry to do things that I'm interested in. So like, I knew that it would be interesting to have a retail range alongside the curry house. I think there's so much that they can do for each other. Like I've seen other food brands do it. A lot of advisors and people will tell me that it's a stupid idea and I've got to focus on one. But like for me, it just feels right to do both. I think they really like work well alongside each other. Um, I may be proven wrong. Um, and again, like the book thing and like the TV thing, again, that's just because I'm really interested in it and I want to do it. And like, I want to write a book, so I'm going to do it. And that's, it's relevant to like the business, not like it's, you know, a completely random endeavor. Um, so I think a lot of it is just driven about by like what I find interesting, what personally like, you know gives me that drive and that energy I love it because yeah it's exactly what you said it's the mix match of flavors and you're hungry to do more and I, I actually wanted to draw attention to um I I know I know with the with uh being in the food industry yes partly everything is to do with the recipes and the food okay but for me, another part of it is the way that you designed your menus and um, the colours that you chose um, that, you know, that match your menu. I know it sounds silly, but even the I think it's the aubergine icon that you have. Even that is just really pleasing to the eye and the fonts that you've used. And to me, that is another level of diversity and innovation because it is just, yes you are the foundation is yes you're talking about it as a curry house but it's another step further it's like I don't know like a South Indian cuisine experience and then matching that with street snacks and mixed match of flavors and even accompanying that with soft drinks and alcoholic beverages as well and even the desserts that you have just thinking about it <laughs> I'm starving so you're always hungry to do more and it's your energy that drives you to keep yourself thinking outside the box and just being different there's I'm telling you there's no other business like yours and I'd say the reason why your business is so unique is because you've had a lot of naysayers and people saying yeah I think that's a silly idea Grace and it's because you've been like you know what no I actually want to do that that 
your business is so different. It's hard. It's it's hard working in the food industry, and you know, there's so much out there. You're definitely a positive disruptor within this industry, and you know, since COVID, restaurants, including yourselves, you know, you guys have been pushed to be operating uh, very differently, almost ways that you've never operated before, right? And yeah. so, what are your thoughts? on how the restaurant industry will change after COVID? Um, it's interesting. I mean, every, like so many people are speculating about this at the moment. Um, I think from a kind of macro level, like things will bounce back to relative normality. There's going to be, obviously, as we're experiencing at the moment, there's like a massive rush of people just going back to sit outside and you know have their pints in the pub and stuff and um the same will happen when we can eventually open to to sit in um I think there's like some kind of finer details that will have changed for the long term I think you know just boring things like I think kind of you know quick um automated payment systems will become quite a norm in restaurants they like just paying on your phone I think um there's a big hospitality, European hospitality group that have just like raised a load of money to develop a um, like remote automated payment system. Well, that's awesome. I think that delivery and takeaway, I think the proportion of sales of delivery and takeaway will probably over the course of the next like three years, they'll stay pretty consistent, so higher than they were, just because people mm. are kind of more used to not having to like eat out as much and like can enjoy that experience at home I think with the whole meal kit trend like I think that's going to be a, a matter of like separating the wheat from the chaff like obviously there's a load of people doing them some are better than others I think that that the reality to certain restaurants especially those like you know really strong brands like central central urban locations their their realization that they can actually make some money by opening their brand out like nationwide and doing some sort of like spin on a meal kit is interesting I will add that it's really hard to make money from them so whether that's like a barrier I don't know and whether that will will stop those continuing I'm not sure but yeah it's it's a lot of work for very little return um, unless you are able to charge a stupid amount of money for them which some people are we'll see like they say you know we're working towards social distancing falling away after the 21st of June. I can't see that happening personally. I don't know how people will feel about like being crammed into small spaces. Like this, the reason why we're not reopening our dining room until like we've seen how everything else plays out is because, you know, it's a really small, you guys will know if you've been there, like it's a tiny space. We have to I know people in there. Yeah. Like, you know, most of our people come on the weekend. They're yeah. desperate for a table. We, squeeze them in there like it adds the atmosphere and it's it like, does it's not for everyone it's not for it everyone does. I know that but like it's the only way that we can really make it work financially like opening that dining room we've got to get as many people in there as possible whether that whether that will really come back I'm not sure I think that's the kind of unknown I think it will but I think it's dependent on what the situation with COVID is and like other virus definitely not the end of global pandemics like they're going to keep happening absolutely yeah and that's what I'm saying I think you're not really 
okay I'm not saying you're not afraid I'm saying that all right when when a challenge comes and hits you you're like right I need to start thinking differently now and again it's yeah from your early experiences as well and it's just well I just got to roll up my sleeves and get to it also we are we were we did get away relatively lightly because of our the location we're in a neighborhood not central London also we're doing a cuisine that is like very classically ordered as takeaway or delivery yeah um so we were super lucky you know our product travels pretty well um yeah so that's interesting and the model for Spicebox has always been to be in residential areas and neighborhoods and I do think obviously you know talking of weekday trade mainly like people aren't Mm going to be there's not going to be that concentration of people in the city or central London again like people will go in to like have a special meal but you know people that those like fast casual lunch places in the city they're the ones that are really going to struggle because I just don't think their market's there anymore that's fascinating actually yeah before it would be such a buzz like during your lunch breaks you all go out timely and you're picking your restaurants for the week in your lunch break that's fascinating actually because it's becoming a reality that we'll be working from home more and more I mean you know, we've been able to kind of deliver the same performance milestones by working from home. That's just fascinating now thinking about that because, yeah, like the whole atmosphere will change in cities and towns and it will have to force restaurants to think differently and, you know, how to lure in customers and how to make your takeaway that bit more of an experience and a bit more of a, a treat for it to be delivered to your doorstep and you guys do that excellently anyway I do hope that we do come to a point where we can come back and dine into your fantastic restaurant because yeah you say it's small but that's the whole point of it I think it's just you're overhearing conversations and you're almost like when someone's ordering a brunch recipe (laughs) one of their dinners or a street snack you're always kind of looking over saying oh that looks nice actually I might I might try that myself, do you know? Gets the yeah. conversation going. Been a bit of a roller coaster ride for you since last year, and you've done new things. You've tried uh, different ways of reaching out to your customers. And I just wanted to ask actually, throughout your journey, throughout your own professional journey, since you started thinking about your career, what's been one of the most important lessons that you've learned? And and why do you deem that the most important lesson? One of the most useful things that I've learned since kind of setting out and doing my own thing is just to have like a really open mindset. And by that, I mean like, you know, open to change, open to criticism, open to advice, like open to like your weaknesses, and I think like, you know, that does all feed into like having a kind of growth mindset and and constantly be looking to like grow and develop and become better. And you can only really do that if you're open to like taking all of those things on board. Um, but like, it's just such, there's a real delicate balance between that and also just having like a strong sense of self and like that inner core, like self-belief and and vision and like what you know is important to you because like I I remember someone told me really early on when I was working on my first business they said you know you 
it's all very well and good you everyone giving you advice it's just the skill is learning what advice to like take and what advice to leave and that is so important because everyone will tell you like they'll off, they'll be the first to offer you advice and things and I think very quickly you have to learn to navigate that and like take snippets from it and be like okay I'm going to apply that but like that I'm not so sure on so again yeah it's that kind of constant delicate like dance between being humble and like not thinking that you know it all and just learning from other people and it's accepting when you're wrong but also not losing that sense of self I love that quote from <laughs> Grace Regan the <laughs> delicate dance of being humble but then the staying true to yourself I love that I love that so much I I think again because from your background and having people saying no to you and then also being able to see right this is what I'm truly passionate about I'm just going to give this a go because I, I think I think you started off cooking at home didn't you and just yeah, doing yeah. deliveries from home is that true yeah that's true and so just starting off again from humble settings and just saying right I'll give this a go right I'll see if I can get myself my first restaurant okay let's see if I can get more curry houses set up oh, maybe I should start writing a recipe book. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's big. Well, Brown Women is essentially an empowerment brand and it's been a wonderful journey so far since we've launched. And our definition of empowerment has also changed and evolved. And I think partly the reason behind that is from our interviews with our guests, getting to know you. My, my definition of empowerment is changing all the time mm-hmm. and so we always end by asking our guests this one question what does empowerment mean to you Grace? Oh man it's a really hard one isn't it, it again is. like I think it probably is always changing and evolving um I do I think what it, the core essence is it is like kind of innate self-belief and I say that as someone who you know really struggles with that and I you know I like I said I'm very quick to turn things on myself and blame myself for things but I do think deep down I do have like that kind of fire constantly burning of like knowing who I am and, and what I want and believing in my ability to do it again I think that comes down to having a growth mindset just want everyone listening to know that that's not on like surface level like walking into a room and like thinking like you know you're the bee's knees it's like you know really deep in your heart that's amazing yeah it's it's about being open and vulnerable and it takes a lot of hard work to just follow your passion and your dreams I I couldn't have said it better Grace thank you so much for a fantastic show with us today and I can't wait to get my hands on this recipe book and we can't wait to see more from you thank you so much that's it for today guys as always we'll be welcoming more great guests over the next few months so stay tuned in and keep listening if you love what you hear and want to continue supporting us please follow us on spotify and itunes to keep on top of our latest episodes We love sharing knowledge and the advice and inspiration of our guests. And if you truly love our content too, 
please leave a rating and comment on iTunes to help the Unplugged podcast reach the ears of more people who want to feel empowered and join in on the conversations that break the status quo and tackle important and topical issues head on. For more Little Brown Women content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, YouTube and Twitter. And don't forget to like and leave a comment on our posts. Remember to also sign up to our mailing list via our Instagram page to receive Little Brown Women's quarterly newsletter where we focus on a range of topics from culture to business to self-development. So until next time, take care, live big and be kind to yourself.